0: For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Melissa O'Leary. Joining me today is Aaron Cole, who lost almost $123,000 to a business email compromise scam during the process of buying a home. There's actually an interesting twist to this case, and I personally cannot wait to explore it a little bit more. Aaron, welcome.
1: Hey, Melissa, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Before we get to the twist, can you just lay the general groundwork of what happened to you and how the scam went down?
1: Yeah, sure. We were in the process of selling our first home and buying our new home at the same time, both running through the same title company. Obviously, there's a lot of paperwork involved, a lot of online emails back and forth, trying to deal with the paperwork of selling a house and purchasing a house at the same time while working and running a business. You're know, you kind of just going through the motions as quick as you can. We'd sold our first house packed everything up, and then we were signing paperwork to buy the new house. Then I got an email from the title company, what appeared to be the same company that I'd been dealing with all along, that said they were ready for me to wire the money over. I was driving parts around for the company at the time, and I got an email from the officer that I'd been dealing with at the title company. They gave me some wire instructions, which I gave to my wife, and she ran to the bank to wire the money over. That was $122,850, which she gave to our bank and they wired the money and we thought we were all good. About a week later, I got a call from the title company that said, hey, we're ready to have you wire the money over. I told the gal on the phone that I'd already done that. And she says, well, that's great. And you send me the information that she sent and I forward her the email. Instantly she stops and she says, oh my goodness, this isn't us. We didn't send you this." Obviously, I said, you're kidding me, right? Like, no, this isn't us. I don't know where this email came from. So I called my boss, told him I needed to go talk to the bank, talk to the police, that kind of thing. And so I did. I stopped my work day and went to the bank. And they said, nope, we did exactly as you asked. And we wired the money away. I went to the police after that to file a report, which they took all my information and said, hey, you know, this happens all the time. And I called the title company after that ended up talking to vice president of a pretty large company. And he empathized my situation, kind of gave me a little background about how this kind of thing happens all the time. You know, they put warnings about this and you need to be careful not to trust an email and basically said, well, we're really sorry, but you're on your own. We tried to warn you, you got to watch out for this kind of thing. And you didn't, so good luck to you. The only reason we had that kind of money was we had bought our home in 2012 when they were giving houses away, spent six years there, remodeled, put a lot of money into it ended up selling it for about twice what we'd bought it for. Took all of that money, put it into the new house so we could afford a bigger house because we were expecting a third child. And then basically when I was told that you know all the money was gone, I couldn't afford to buy the new house. I couldn't even afford to buy my old house back. So I had to go home and tell my wife, stop packing because we don't have anywhere to go. I just gave all the money away to criminals and there's nothing we can do about it. So that was... Easily the hardest thing I've ever had to do. You know, I'm never usually short on words, but walking into the house, trying to get the words out to tell her what had just happened, it was hard to say. And, you know, obviously she was just kind of collapsed and, you know, what are we going to do? We had nowhere to go. All the money was gone and we had to be out of our house in a week and the sale of the new house was gone. I, mean, I didn't have money to put down for rent to go anywhere or to put our stuff. So we were just kind of stuck.
0: Wow. Well, let's get to maybe the more encouraging part of the story, which is it sounds like you didn't take no for an answer and you advocated for yourself because the twist is that the title company, WFG National Title, actually ended up covering the lost funds for you and just asked that you become an ambassador for others that find themselves in the situation. So, how did you get from that rock bottom of we literally have no money to turning things around for yourself in such a big way?
1: I went back to work later that day, obviously just kind of in a numb, depressed state, didn't really know what to do. And I was actually more or less forced by a coworker to contact the news. I didn't want to tell anybody about this. Obviously it's kind of embarrassing and you know, I didn't want to talk about it, but she basically called the Oregonian and handed me the phone and said, you need to get this story out there. And so over the course of that week, I spent a lot of time With the local news newspapers journals that kind of thing basically somewhat unfairly throwing all the blame at the title company at the time you know not really knowing anything about business email compromise and cybercrime that kind of thing to me it seemed likely that the hack came in on their side you know i don't ever have five figures in my account let alone six or seven or eight you know why would hackers be looking into my information seemed more likely that it was the title company and Most people in the world, much like myself, don't really understand the inner workings of large corporations like that. And so I basically put a lot of bad press out there for the company and talking back and forth with them. And they finally came to me four days later with a new idea, you know, how to make us whole, teach me how it really works in there and try and get me to help others, you know, not suffer a similar fate, get the word out, talk to people. And so for a couple of years, I worked with them doing things like this and going to events and talking to people and being on panels, that kind of thing, telling my story and trying to get the word out. And they essentially put all of that money back directly into escrow and got the sale of the house to go through. And a week after we were looking at being homeless, we were moving into our new house.
0: Congratulations. You talked about the embarrassment factor, which definitely runs through so many of these cases. and. What do you tell people, you know, the people that you must meet now that have been through this, or they might just be starting to go through it, how to manage kind of that embarrassment part or, you know, kind of the guilt or those kinds of bad feelings?
1: You know, everybody's different on how you're going to handle personally going through that. The only thing that I can do, and I have done a lot since then is other people who are moving large amounts of money doing anything like this is... The simplest thing that it comes down to two years of training and working with them is pick up the phone and call a trusted number. Everything is done through email. The email is the easiest thing in the world to impersonate. You know, I got an email that looked like it'd come from the right person. The title blocks were the same. The phone number was the same as all of the emails that I'd gotten, but the email address was slightly different. There was a period in between the title company's name, something so small that normal people who don't deal with this every day wouldn't notice. But had I looked at the title block, seen her name and picked up the phone and called her and said, Hey, did you send me this email? She would have said no, and it would have been stopped right there. So that's the biggest piece of advice that I can give people is it's fine to do all this online and through email all the way up until you're ready to move money. And then you need to call a number that you know, whether that's your real estate agent, your title company, whomever, and just make sure before you move anything, that you're talking to the right people because they do. Every piece of paper that you get has warning signs. This is, you know, big, bold, bright red letters, you know, cybercrime, you know, check a number, that kind of thing. But it's more like terms of condition to people. When you're trying to do this, you just scroll down to the bottom as fast as you can find where to check the box and send the email and you move on. You know, when it's not something you deal with every day, the title company, they have training in place to spot phishing attacks, that kind of thing. You know, I thought that they weren't in my email because all of my checkups say that nobody's been in there, but they don't hack into your email. You know, there's Facebook leaks, all different types of places where they could have gotten my login password and username and been logged into my email for years without making it look like they had hacked in there. So Google does a checkup and says, you know, your email's fine. Nobody's hacked into here. Well, they have it because they signed in there correctly. And they just sit in there and they wait and wait and wait. And then once something pops up that says closing or wire, then they pay attention and they wait for the right time to be able to get in between you and where you're trying to get the money and then they have you send it somewhere else. So it's just call and talk to somebody. It's kind of, you know, I grew up in the technology age. You know, you're used to just trusting an email, a text message, the internet, that kind of thing. But you almost have to take a step back a couple of decades and just pick up the phone, talk to a person that, you know, their voice, that, you know, their office, that kind of thing. Just try and slow down as much as you can when you're moving large amounts of money because it's not like it was 10, 15 years ago where you'll get an email that's written poorly or the grammar is off or it's obvious that this isn't who you've been talking to. These guys are good. You know They used to go after the title companies directly, but then they you know knew how to spot this stuff. Then they start going after the buyers or the sellers, the people that aren't as trained to spot this kind of thing. Every time we try and get ahead of it, They adapt, you know, they have to get better or they can't do it anymore. I heard a stat when I was going through this stuff that, you know, the average bank crime, you know, walking into a bank and stealing money, you'll get a thousand dollars, you know, and you have cops chasing you instantly. The average cyber crime is a million dollars. You know, why would you ever walk into a bank with a gun if you could just sit behind the desk and get way more money and not have to deal with consequences? It's a lot of money every day that's being lost to this kind of thing.
0: Right. And as you've mentioned, the financial incentives to criminals continues to grow. So where do you think this is all heading in terms of scams and how people should protect themselves aside from, of course, picking up the phone and calling more?
1: It's tough. I see stories all the time of it still happening to people. In 2018, when it happened to me, it was about a $600 million a year scam just in selling of houses. The following year, it was $1.2 billion. The next year, it was you know a couple billion. It's just growing and growing because they get better at it, and more and more people are getting into it. As far as how do you protect yourself, I don't trust anything at this point when it comes to emails. You, know, you can highlight the actual email address and see where it's coming from. I've gotten them from my own office, what appeared to be my boss, trying to have us buy things for the office. It says Russ Cole, you know, But then you look actually up at the email address and it's coming from some random Gmail. You have to be really aware of everything that's going on. Don't trust that what shows up is what it looks like. I've gotten to spend a couple of years talking to people who've dealt with cybersecurity. And so I know a lot more of the background stuff that they do, training sessions on their own companies to try and catch their own employees and teach them ways to get around it. But for the everyday person that deals with buying and selling a house maybe once or twice in your life, it's tough. And it's not just there. They're coming at you from different angles. This is just one way. You know, they're coming after businesses, stealing business information and hijacking them for a lot more money than that. It's tough. The only thing that I do is every single thing that I get, I go through it very carefully. I mean, you could be talking to someone you do business with all the time and all of a sudden there'll be an email that's not really from them. You got to be cautious. You can't trust email.
0: Well, that's the way that the attackers work around things. I think 98% of attacks start with social engineering, more of a human-based tactic to get around all of the products and all the tooling that so many companies and governments invest billions of dollars into. But these simple tactics, this asymmetric threat is what kind of gets around that. And it is so interesting that folks like you and me have to be our own defender in terms of just looking very carefully at information and scrutinizing information, because there's certainly not a defense shield up protecting us. So you've really got to be your own advocate as you've been in your case. And just really great that you were able to Find a way to recoup the funds, and you know, kind of continue on your path. And I just applaud you for everything that you've done in the space.
1: It was a crazy week. You know, I was working at the same time. I had my phone on my ear all day long, calling everybody. I was talking to FBI agents and bank people and all over the country. And I spent eight to ten hours a day on the phone, just talking to anybody who would listen. And I was very, very fortunate that this happened for us because it happens to people all day every day that don't have this good fortune that we got and we actually were able to move into our house on my son's 5th birthday it'll always be an interesting story but yeah we we're very very fortunate and my heart just breaks for everybody else out there that falls victim to this it's not fair you try and do the right thing you know you go to work you take care of your family you do the best you can yet you, you pay your taxes and then somebody who just steals it from you. It's a weird feeling.
0: It is, and somebody you'll never know, right? I mean, do you have any information on where the attack came from, who the scam artists were?
1: Actually, they tracked the money. Surprisingly, they found about half of it still in Florida after moving through several banks. Unfortunately, my bank didn't respond to the FBI agent fast enough to be able to stop it before it moved again. They had a chance to recoup about half of it, and my bank chose to do nothing instead. Instead, they tried to get me to sign an indemnification clause so that I wouldn't come back after them after I brought that up. They had people at the bank that were no longer at the bank after I left because I spent a lot of time in there over a few days. They still know me when I've wandered in there over the last couple of years. I kind of get that look. They actually caught at least one of the people involved. I get emails letting me know about their incarceration, which is at least somewhat satisfying. I actually just got one the other day. So at least I know one person involved over the last you know six years. While we've been growing our family and living our lives, it is at least somewhat satisfying to know that that person has at least been in prison.
0: Well, it's been great to catch up with you today on this topic. Is there any final advice that you have for listeners or any final thoughts?
1: Just do the best you can. It really does just come down to the phone call I know I've said that a couple of times now. You can do all the work, all the docu sign, everything, but just talk to somebody you know, whether it's on the phone or in person. They will never send you a PDF like I got that says, here's our wire instructions. Don't trust it. Just before you move any money, make sure you know that you're sending it to the right place because the bank, at least the one that I was working with, is just going to move it. It's not their problem whether or not it goes to the right place. You know, it's not the title company's fault if the money doesn't go to the right place. You really do have to just don't trust anything. Just make sure that you're sure you're moving what you want because it can change your life and not in a good way.
0: For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Melissa O'Leary, Partner and Chief Strategy Officer at Fortless Solutions. Joining me today was Aaron Cole, spokesperson for victims of wire fraud and other scams. For more of our content, visit cybersecurityventures.com.